Welcome, everyone, to our NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. I'm pleased to be joined by Derek Coles, who's got a new job. He's back with the NCAA in the new role, a very much needed role. Uh, he is currently, because who knows, things change constantly, uh, a new role. Uh, the new position is the Associate Director of NIL Development. That is name, image, and likeness. Um, before I peel back the onion on all of that, uh, let's just uh, educate everyone on where you've been, because you are a second-time uh, guest here, way back in November of 2020. Uh, at the time, you were at the Atlantic 10 as an Assistant Commissioner for Compliance and Student Services. Um, that's when you left the NCA in 2021. So actually, you were at the NCA, then went to the A10, back to the NCAA, um, so just tell me about your journey to get back here in 2023. Yeah, well, it's good to see you again, Andy. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a unique situation uh, with the pandemic. Um, obviously, in the current space at the national office, I was as assistant director of agent certification and development. And then the pandemic happened. Um, some life changes happened. My, my, my beautiful wife, we had twins in the middle of the pandemic and uh, wanted to get closer to home. Uh, but also had a uh, interest in working at the conference level. So it was great, thankfully, for Bernadette McGlake and Jill Redmond at the Atlantic 10 allowed me to come in um, to be um, Assistant Commissioner of Compliance and Student Services. Um, but as that happened, um, July 1st, 2021 happened, and NIL began. And I think just with the, the landscape and how so many things happened um, during that time, I think the national office needed someone to be in that space to understand the landscape more and have some more subject matter expertise. So I had the fortunate opportunity to continue to keep in contact with um, my good colleagues at the NCAA um, who reached out to me um, about the interest of this position um, and thought it had my name all over it. Um, very familiar with the NIL space, um, previously working in agent space. And so um, opportunity presented itself. Um, applied, and here we are now uh, in the current role as a um, associate director of NIL. All right, so one other question before I want to get into this specific job, but what did you learn about NIL? You mentioned from the agent space and then at the conference level. What did you learn about name, image, and likeness in those two groups that you can apply at the national office? Yeah, great question, great question. Yes, I think initially um, work with agents uh, before this you know, NIL really began, have an opportunity to have established great uh, rapport and relationships with agents to kind of pick their brain about what NIL may potentially look like in the future. And with those discussions, they kind of told me, you know, that agents would be very heavily involved in the NIL space. And guess what? They are correct. Agents are very highly involved in the NIL space. But also from a conference perspective, having an opportunity to work with 15 outstanding uh, institutions within Atlantic 10, seeing their concerns from the ground uh, with education, uh, with helping student athletes uh, understand what NIL stands for, but also to understand um, creating you know, institutional policies to manage um, the state laws on campus as well. So I think being at the national office, um, it, I provide some intel from the agent space, but also understanding what many of our schools are dealing with on each on each and every day when it comes to NIL as protection of the institution, but also providing the proper um, essential um, programming for our student athletes 
as they could try to find ways to maximize their opportunities within the NIL landscape. And actually, I think working in the A-10 is probably a great precursor to the NCAA because it is a league with a wide swath of institutions with different financial, um, you know, uh, endowments. I mean, just you name it. They're, they're just as different levels within the league that I think you probably uh, would learn a lot about, um, you know, just the amount that would be available to each individual student on different kinds of camp campuses. All right. So now at the national office, uh, and I know it's been a brief time here, but what are you hearing from coaches, student athletes, administrators um, about the impact that NIL is having already in just a brief amount of time on campuses? Yeah, I think it's once again another great story uh, question. I think for me, um, just first day I took this role, I hit the ground running. Um, I think just talking to as many coaches and administrators as possible. Currently, coaches and administrators uh, have been very open and transparent about NIL and how it impacts their program and campus. Um, coaches have shared that NIL definitely changed the way recruits they recruit prospective student athletes. Um, instead of talking to parents and coaches. Um, the coaches are now, college coaches are now talking to agents um, who represent these uh, PSAs. I think also coaches have shared NIL's impacted the retention of their the student athletes on their roster. I um, had a few coaches tell me um, during the Final Four um, that, you know, there's been student athletes coming in that office and talking about, you know, their entering portal uh, because of the fact, the lack of NIL opportunities at their current institution. Um, and I think from athletic directors, um, they have shared that NIL is the most important topic um, they're dealing with on campus. Um, just trying to pro provide the proper NIL programming and staffing in effort to give the student athletes the best opportunity to excel in these unchartered, uncharted territory of NIL. And in student athletes, I think for their perspective, they just want the team to team guidance. I think from their perspective, they're looking for ways and education to make sure that they're doing things the proper way, but also trying to maximize their opportunities within NIL. I think many of them see some of the newsletters out there, they're, they're reading what's happening on social media, and they're trying to find a way, how can I also maximize my opportunities to make some money as well uh, within NIL? And also, of course, it's fact versus fiction. A lot of numbers yes. are thrown around, uh, whether it's within the mainstream media, social media, uh, within recruiting, uh, that a lot of times are not true. Um, so a lot of these student athletes have to get the correct information. Uh, as we are taping, it is April. And what happens in April? Tax time. Uh, you know, I've already seen some student athletes post about, hey, don't forget about taxes, uh, which relates to education. So because it is April, I'm curious on that topic, uh, how have you had to try to educate student athletes, administrators, coaches um, about that tax question? Well, in my role, technically, I don't really um, provide information in that, in that regards. Um, but the conversations I have been having, just understanding that, you know, the issues that could potentially happen if they don't um, put forth the effort to make sure the student athletes are uh, filing taxes. Um, obviously, our good friends um, in the government can easily come on campus and talk to those student athletes to make sure that they don't do what needs to be done. Then obviously, they can have some ramifications for not submitting um, taxes. But also, I think it's from my lens, I think it's, it's needed for our student athletes to, to file taxes, because I think 
what's happening is disclosures. And, you know, I think the issue is we don't know, like you said before, the numbers are all over the place. And I think when you submit, you know, file your taxes, then I think it understands kind of what our student athletes are actually making within the NIL space. Uh, right now, everything is so fabricated. And it's so much unknown of what our student athletes are actually making. So I constantly encourage our, you know, administration and coaches to allow, you know, to encourage their student athletes to uh, file for taxes. I think it also helps the student athlete number one stay out of trouble, but also two gives us more of a understanding of what our student athletes are actually making in the NIL space. You know, look, I think people have to admit when they're wrong, and uh, I do think the critics of NIL prior to it being enacted uh, was, oh, it's only going to help the high-profile sports, football, and men's basketball. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Clearly, female athletes are benefiting, you know, in a, in a great way for them personally, whether it's women's basketball, gymnastics, volleyball, um, you name it. I mean, there's so many opportunities for female student-athletes, other male student-athletes not in the high-profile sports, um, what have you seen about those opportunities across the entire athletic department in that, you know, that, that, that overall student athlete population? No, I think you hit a nail right on the head. I, I, you know, I think just watching the women's basketball tournament this, this year was, was awesome. You know, I'm a big supporter of female sports and I think this year was amazing, just the success and the exposure they received and comes with that was NI opportunities. And I think they thrive. Um, this past um, March and April in that space. And so um, it's been a joy to watch. It's been a joy to hear the great stories within female sports. And also too, just, I think so many people are so focused on the negative stories about NIL, but it's so many great stories, so many great things happening in the NIL space from every level of division one, two, and three. Um, I think, you know, you think you just dated female sports. You know, you think I, I recall talking to a female swimmer since NIL was effective July 1st, 2021, created her own swim line. And she's been very successful in that space. Um, also had a chance to, to hear about a men's lacrosse player um, that benefit from NIL, um, becoming a digital creator and has over 194,000 followers on social media platforms. And also too, I've seen the other great stories about student athletes using their name, image and likeness um, to give back to the community and provide for charitable donations and organizations. And so I think it's it's great to see that NIL doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a face to it. If you have the opportunity, I think this space allows you to thrive in it. And so you don't have to be an outstanding athlete in your sport. I think the intention of NIL was for people who are creative, who were able to think outside the box and create things. This was what NIL is for. And I think there's a lot of great stories that, definitely need to be publicized and pushed out because I think NIL is great for our student athletes. And we're starting to see a lot more great stories out there um, that our student athletes are monetizing. So it's great to hear and great to see. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because there are a lot of great stories of student athletes giving back. It's not all greed. Uh, you know, Paul Mulcahy at Rutgers, I was thinking about this one where his last game, he took hit some of his NIL money and gave gift cards to everyone that works in the arena, just regular people who are working in the arena in addition to managers. And, you know, whether it was the custodians, you name it, he was handing out gift cards to give back to people who had helped him, which is a great gesture, obviously, of using that money. And the other point clearly is that we know that 
you know, men's basketball and football can be two of the highest professional earnings, but there are a lot of sports in the NCAA portfolio where professionally you cannot make as much money. So these student athletes at the college level certainly can benefit when they're at this age because they may not be able to make that much money as a professional. Um, but guardrails is sort of the, 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 you know, the term that everyone's looking for because we do have different laws in different states and not all 50. Uh, obviously, new president Charlie Baker has spoken about this, about going to see and has already visited Congress. Uh, there is congressional action. Well, whether or not we'll ever see it to legislation, we'll have to wait and see, of trying to have something that's uniform. Until that happens, there has to be someone, you know, to just be a sounding board. Uh, and obviously, that can be you, a resource. Uh, how can you be that resource at the national office for student-athletes, coaches, administrators in the name, image, and likeness space? Um, right. And, and you're totally right when it comes to just, you know, President Baker has been very open and honest about um, consumer protection is needed. And, you know, just hearing all the horror stories out there. Um, you know, I, I could sit here for hours and tell you the crazy stories I've heard from, you know, student athletes, parents, and, and coaches about what student athletes being taken advantage of in this NIL era. Um, but I, I definitely agree with some of the things that I can be a resource for um, is, you know, helping, you know, the national office. When he talks about President Baker mentioned creating a uh, public agency registry, um, generating a standard contract, and, you know, certify NIL you know, providers. Um, I think in my role is, is to be a resource. I want to help schools identify the bad actors in this landscape. Hope Black can develop internal and external uh, education programming and materials related to NIL. Um, and going back to my original charge, I want to be a professional listener uh, for the membership. I want to hear their concerns, um, possible solutions, right? Because this is we serve the membership. And so hearing what the membership has to say about potential solutions to kind of put some of the toothpaste back in the tube as a reference. Um, I want to do my very best is to bring information back to the national office um, so we can protect our student athletes as they navigate this space. And so 100% um, for what you just mentioned about how can we continue to protect our student athletes. And so I think that's kind of my charge um, as a resource to help the membership out is just be a professional listener, hear their concerns, and see how we can um, accommodate those with the proper guardrails to protect our student athletes and our programs. Hey, I got one other thing that, and and you know, stop me if this is sort of uh, off the grid a little, but I, you know, you struck me what you said earlier about, um, you know, what coaches are saying, you know, and I've heard this myself within the portal of, oh, I'm going to go to this school because they can offer this, you know, nil ways. Earlier, there was so much talk about recruiting inducements. It shouldn't be used in that manner. But that was more from high school seniors to college. Yet it's also being a recruiting inducement within the portal. So I'm just trying to understand the difference between the two of a recruiting inducement to get on campus as a freshman versus a recruiting inducement to transfer. Yeah, uh, great question. All that's all under the same umbrella uh, because it's it goes back to... And I'm not gonna get my AMA friends can definitely help me out in this space because I'm not interpretive, but it falls under bylaw 13. You know, when you're a high school student athlete, you're getting recruited. But once you get back in the, in the portal, you're getting recruited again. And so it's still considered an inducement because of the fact that coaches 
not only see a high school prospect as an opportunity for them to find, you know, utilize collectives and things of that nature to uh, rear in a student athlete, a prospective student athlete, but also, too, from a standpoint of a, a student athlete in the portal. How can I recruit that student athlete to our school? And so you hear the stories about, unfortunately, uh, some tampering in play, you know, coaches or other individuals associated with the student athlete. Um, it's been tampering before their name gets in the portal. And some of our student athletes, unfortunately, are listening or being tampered with and are encouraged to get in the portal because of the fact of potential NIL opportunities at the next institution. And so I think that goes hand in hand and just trying to find a proper way to have coaches or other individuals share that information. Um, once again, just trying to find those bad actors in the space to, you know, to have the the, everyone plays on a, the same level on you know, playing field, you know? And so my issue, my goal is for us to continue to find information about who's in this space, taking advantage of these student athletes by encouraging them to go in the portal because of NIL, but also from a PSA perspective, uh, recruit a kid to come to your school because of NIL. Um, once again, that wasn't the intent of NIL. And so we're just trying to continue to do our very best to get all the information we can and, and once again, try to eliminate um, those actions from happening in this collegiate space. All right. So now uh, I just want to wrap it up like this. You get all this information. You're going on a listening tour. People are calling you, emailing you. We don't know what's going to happen with Congress. So when you gather all this information here in the spring, summer, what, what do you want to do with that next year with all that you've gathered? Yeah. So, you know, in my role, you know, I'm I'm an information gatherer. And so, you know, I under I am under enforcing, but I definitely have connection and legs to other um departments under the national office. You know, I'm I'm happy to share with my colleagues in academic membership affairs, which is also stand for AMA. I'm also communications and then my, my great friends at Office of Legal Affairs. And so um I just get gather as much information as needed and share it with those departments to help them understand the NIL space more and, and what kind of guardrails we need, but also what kind of structure we need to help our membership out. But in, and when it comes from an enforcement standpoint, um, just the information is collected. If the information I've received um, ties into a, a potential violation, then within the enforcement group, I shared it with my colleagues in investigation and processing, and they, they create cases and find ways to you know push it through um, to the process of infraction, the infraction process. So for me, it's more of just, once again, just gathering information and then placing it to the right people within our national office. And so hopefully this can, you know, be a way for us to look at this time next year, things being much easier. Things are, people understand more of what they can do and not do, but also too, hopefully we can kind of have some guardrails in place based off the information I received this spring and next in this summer to see a different, perspective and a different way of looking at NIL moving forward for next year. Um, so that's the goal. That's the charge. And looking forward to reaching out and seeing as many people within the collegiate, collegiate landscape. I'm open, like I said, I'm listening here. Whatever you have to tell me, I'm 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 willing to hear. And and let's get this work together to make NIL um, better for our student athletes. And so, you know, we, we can eliminate the bad actors, but also to enjoy the good stories of what's happening within NIL for our student athletes and our programs. And I'm glad you said that at the end, because we do not want this to come across like there was, you know, only a punitive part of this, because from what you're saying, uh, look, it's here, 
there's a lot of benefits. People have benefited. There's there, there's the good. And then there's those that have been taken advantage of. So you want to make sure that everyone gets the right information, can maximize their potential, their earning uh, potential, obviously, during their time as a college student athlete. Um, so, Derek, Derek, you are there. People can contact you, I, I believe. Is that correct? Within the membership? Yes. Yes, yes. Any, any and all. I, I, I can talk to anybody. <laughs> all right, I don't want everyone coming at you. I just want to make sure you're good with that. Um, no. All right. So Derek Coles, he's got a new gig. You can contact him within the membership. Student athletes, coaches, administrators. You can get. All, he's on a listening tour. He wants to hear what is happening across the college landscape. Appreciate your time, Derek. Thank you so much, Andy. Take care. All right. As always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived we've got tremendous conversations like this and have been doing this all since even before derek was a first-time guest back in march of 2020 we are going strong appreciate everyone